0: I am Priya Suchadeva, your host at Training Guy Show. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences, and people and get deep understanding of the world around you starts now. I believe every life is a lesson, and we are here to learn. Today, I'm connected to Dishal Walia, an archaeologist and the founder of Confessions of an Archaeologist, an archaeology communication handle. And in this podcast, we talk about Indian history, Industrial Civilization significance of archaeology in India, and what are the challenges of being an archaeologist. Unlike school history, this episode is full of fun, relearning myths, learn why it's important to know the past, when the future.
1: Hi, Disha. Welcome to Training Diary. Thank you so much for joining in. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's amazing to be here. And congratulations for your marriage, also. You recently got married, so congrats for the same. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. As, as we were discuss, discussing a moment before, you know, you people are like hard species to find. So, indeed, I should say that you people are really hard species to find. Because I remember, I, I really don't know anyone in my circle, my college or from my school. any Anyone, uh, you know, as a, entitled to archaeologists. So, so I know. So, great. Yeah, we are a rare species. We are not, you can't, you won't be able to find many of
2: us on social media uh so yeah it's true and now i think we slowly slowly coming up on social media so it's like you know getting out of our shells and you know experiencing and experimenting with uh all the platforms instagram twitter so, so it's really interesting mm-hmm. and so yeah i can understand i get to hear
1: that a lot you're <laughs> used to it yeah also, also there's one thing uh which I'm always curious to know from my guest, you know, why you do what you do. And from you especially, it's even become more special. The reason being, as I mentioned that I, as a student, I never found history as so much interesting. For the time being, now I came across with so many books and different, you know, genre. So now I still relate to the mythology or any other thing. But as a kid in uh, school, I like, oh no, history shit. I want to bang this period. So so what motivated you or what made you curious about being into this film? Uh, to be honest,
2: even I despise history. I mean, I never pursued history uh, in my high school uh, because I think largely because the way it is taught in schools, it sort of creates this, uh, you know, fear in your head that you have to remember dates and you have to know this, you have to know that, which king, you know, comes next and you have to know the whole generation of a dynasty. It is the way it's taught and I personally didn't like history at all. Mm-hmm. I remember not studying it after tenth. Mm-hmm. And I somehow managed to pass. But a lot of it changed when I was in college. Uh, so I accidentally or I had no other option rather to choose history uh, in my college because you know how Delhi University's cutoffs are. It's madness there and way back in 2009 also it was pretty crazy like you need to have above a certain percentage let's say 94 95 to get your particular you know your uh course that you want or the particular college that you've been aiming at so i decided that you know i will take up history honors and I will reserve the seat and I will most probably take up English later on or maybe migrate or I'll just study history and I'll start doing what I want to do, which was photography side by side because, you know, that's what I wanted wanted to do. And But, you know, as a conventional, in the conventional framework of an Indian household, you need to have a degree. So my parents were like, you do whatever you want, but just... Get a degree, okay? Uh, Study, go to college. Don't just go haywire and then, you know, spend your uh, days pursuing a career which you can do uh, while studying. So, I decided to join a history course in college and, uh, you know, the very first class really changed uh, the way I looked at history because uh, I don't, I didn't remember studying human evolution or remember studying prehistory in school because maybe it was taught when I was uh, really young and while growing up that particular thought, that thing, you know, that aspect of our past sort of... uh, Uh, escaped my memory it was not in my popular memory it was not in my head at all and when I started um, college the very first lecture was on human evolution and I was really enamored by the whole concept that you know we are not the only ones we have had a huge uh, history and us homo sapiens we're just a dot in the timeline of of you know our our collective past and it was so amazing and it uh it was around the first year that i decided that i should pursue archaeology i started reading about it more i started googling about archaeology more and then you know the documentaries on nat geo and discovery would attract me even more because now i knew that there is this the profession archaeology that exists and is. Seemed pretty interesting. And uh, I remember telling my parents in my third year that I'm going to be pursuing archaeology. Uh, and and I did. <laughs> and here I am. So it but was sort of an accidental thing. In school, I never decided. I mean, not only me, but my friends and family. If you ask them, they would tell you that, you know, I've taken a very unchosen track. <laughs> sort of happened. And But you you're know? enjoying this, of course.
1: Because yeah, I- you
2: can't... Yeah,
1: you can't do it without you passion. Can't. You can't, you can't do it
2: without passion. If you're not <laughs> enjoying, you can't do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, as you know, being onto the yeah. field, you you have been of course facing lots of challenges because. When we talk about a large part of India, when you say about the working culture, we, we generally talk about, you know, being into corporates. Or maybe except a few celebrities are working, you know, here and there. But the large part of the youth, they work with their computers, their their tech savvy and something. And you work beyond that, you know, where we are just moving towards, uh, when we say future, you have to just uh find the context and go beyond, live that part. So, so how hard it is and how do you, you know, cope with that, how hard it is?
2: In today's world, it's a little difficult and it's difficult and easy at the same time. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, if we talk about working in uh, a rural environment or somewhere where there is uh, hardly any accessibility to city or, or or your home or something like that, I remember my teachers and everyone, like you know, gurus and seniors, talking about their stories. Mm-hmm. Back then, there were no ter- no mobile phones, there were no internet. And I remember, you know, uh, uh, and they will tell that they'll have to travel about 30, 40 kilometers once a week or once in 10 days just to make a call or send letters out to the family to tell them that you know look we are fine in the field we're working but we are fine looking at that and now we are in much better comfortable position because now internet accessibility has really changed the game and it's no longer that you're disconnected with the world the way it was earlier uh you can easily get connected through various platforms social media even if you're working in a remote area, uh, it has changed a lot. So it has sort of uh, eliminated that thought of being disconnected to the world now. But what I, I understand what you're trying to say that, you know, once where technology is moving towards future, I'm, we are slowly going like, you know, in my work, we go towards the past and try to understand that. Um, it's, a, it's, it's like, you know, I live a dual life. Mm-hmm. So when I am in the field, I live a very different life. As opposed to when I'm home, which is, you know, half a year I'm home and half a year I'm in the field. So we have to have these two particular perspectives and mindsets because uh, the way we work in the field, trying to understand the past and the lives once lived in a different context. Taking technology of the present with us is a very different phenomenon. The way we do things, the way we perceive things, we have to keep our leg in the past because you can't understand the way the life is lived if you don't understand the roots, if you don't understand the traditions and you don't understand certain phenomena which are existing in a very minor way, Mm. you know? And at the same time, you have to use the technology to help us understand the past. So it's a very, it's a, it's a very uh, weird sort of combination. Yes. Yeah. It's a very weird sort of combination. You have to keep looking at the future, but also take the past along with, and past is very important.
1: And what I can say, it's, it's always very important, as important as the future is. Because it's set the context, connect the dots, you know, how we can evolve it something like that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. Because you see, if you don't know uh,
2: what your journey has been, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how we have come to be the way we are, even our smallest of traditions and uh, practices and habits and everything, if we don't know, mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult for us to set the state for future also. Because present is not the only complex thing that you see. Our past is equally complex and our future is going to be complex as well. And future is the combination of past and present. So you need to know the past.
1: Mm -hmm, Indeed, you made it very clear to you know understand that what's the because that's about to be my my next question that what is the significance that uh, significance that archaeology carry you know for setting because I remember as a kid I have always seen uh, ancient aliens and that's the only thing fascinated me so I always thought oh archaeology is something you know very fascination fascinated career where you have to be on tv and you know say something about the aliens and like wow (laughs) I grew yeah. up. What I've been thinking was way beyond that. So that that's coming yeah, yeah. I mean
0: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember watching that also as a kid, like ancient aliens. Yeah.
2: I and for, for a while, the way they present the facts, it feels so you know attractive and enamoring, and you maybe think, Oh my god, aliens. But of course, when you are working and you know as an archaeologist, nah, that's not true.
1: That's, that's not how things. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's not how things work. So you try to talk. work in the summer into the winter. Go for the excavations. Right? Apologies, I'm not not very familiar with all the terms and the jargons in your field. But yeah, I've I tried to got to know a few things.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we work in extreme conditions. Uh, we see the seasons change.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we usually uh, idle, Ideally, we start our excavation somewhere in November, December. And then go on till you know uh, the summer is like march april maximum but there are times when where you have to work till june or july because you have to finish a project you have to finish your work so yeah it it is a different thing you have to get adapt to different temperatures varying temperatures season changes and and a lot of things changes but you as an archaeologist are still living in a tent Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's raining or it's really cold, or it's really hard. You are still going to be there working. So it's a different life altogether. It's a very different life that we
1: live what for a certain part is of the it year. Fascinating thing that you have find till now. Anything, anything which you find really your your discovery or anything you can count on. What is the most fascinating thing as an archaeologist you have find till now, or maybe that the that... project that you have been working on. Anything.
2: Um, I think. A lot of that I have worked, I was um, lucky enough to work with people and team that, you know, we end up finding something fascinating. And I think it's goes for every archaeologist. If you ask this question to anyone, they Mm -hmm. will tell you that whatever they do is, is actually fascinating because it might not look fascinating for the people, Mm -hmm. uh, like for the, for general people, but for us, even a small broken pot shirt can do a lot. Mm -hmm. Even a broken bone can change a lot. Uh, so the definition of fascinating things sort of varies when we are in the public domain mm-hmm. and within the academia, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think every side that I've worked with, I found something interesting, of which sort of helped me connect to archaeology and pursue archaeology, um, if, but if I have to say that for the public, for the public domain for people to, you know, <laughs> understand. True. I think the Somali chariots are one of the fascinating discoveries. Uh, I personally, it was not there 100%, but a part of a team that are part of a team that excavated chariots really changed the way I uh, look at archaeology or work in the field, mm-hmm. because the chariots discovery is not just a discovery for us. It's uh, um, it's something that really opens our mind and the way the chatters have been discovered, the way the interpretation is coming along, the way we still uh, trying to connect the dots. So Sonali is one of those sites which is really uh, like, you know, a surprise deal, a Christmas surprise, a happy Christmas surprise, I would say. Uh, so yeah, I would if I have to name for people out there to narrow it down, it would be Sonali. But then all my other sites are also equally fascinating in their own way. The
1: one which was into the news uh, of Arjun Charier or something like that. Yeah, well, not, not that, I know. Yeah. The I know, I know. I don't I know, I I want to ask, you know, how, how, how hard it is to deal with the media when you, you know, because I know with any research, it's just you have found something you might, there might be process you go under, right? You might be going for a week, yeah. for a year to understand what that is. And when someone comes and jumps up to you, and like, what is this? Oh, is it related to Mahabharata, Ramayana or what? Because we as public domain understand only these terms. So, so yeah I'm, yeah i understand that also we do have to
2: understand because we know that a lot of information is not in the public domain True. how we work and how we undertake our research and you know how we for years are still connecting the dots is is not being spoken of about in the public domain so people might not know that what we have found is actually not linked to a particular Uh, you know, heroic figure uh, from the epics, or it is not uh, as simple to answer in yes or no. It's not simple. So people don't know about it, so we can't expect them to understand it. But we go with a mindset, with a thinking that, you know, whatever we say in the public domain, especially with the media, has to be clear. So we say whatever we know for sure. We know that this is it, this is what it is. We do not, I personally will never say this might be because I don't think a lot of times in media people understand might be, you know, they don't understand the tentativity of the research or that research is in a process. So you have to be a little careful, but then you have to also remember that uh, media is just doing their work and they do their work in their own way, the way we do. Uh, So you have to be careful at the same time and approachable also, so it's you have to choose your battle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and also going with uh, with your work, I think there's a whole lot of community involvement. When I say community, uh, I think it's about the localized people. So, also, what do you think when that part comes along? How do you cop up? I think because sometimes I remember when uh, I don't know what your what's your specialization is in. Uh, what's your sp- uh,
2: I'm a field archaeologist, so there are different types of archaeologists. There are people who specialize in temples, Mm. art, etc. I have been a field archaeologist and my specialization is in ancient ceramics. So I have been working as an excavator for the past nine years. Mm. Uh, And then I've been dealing with projects, you know, uh, and uh, doing different analysis and also for my PhD. Mm. And talking about community participation we cannot work uh, without local cooperation and their assistance and their help uh, the locals play a very very important role in our work uh, wherever we go uh, if the locals don't want us it is it, we can't force them to let us in their homes uh, in their homes mean, you know even in their backyard or wherever the, we are excavating so so, as an excavator, we have to be really respectful to their rituals, to their traditions, to their practices, to them, and 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 extend a hand far. And I think everywhere I go, despite i lose your voice tisha i think in between yeah can you hear me now yeah better yeah so as i was saying that uh, having worked in different states uh, language is never the barrier mm-hmm. it's the human connect and the way we as humans approach uh, you know another human being is how we deal with others um, and and how they sort of it, it's a very interesting thing Mm -hmm. You might, there might be age gap, there might be a lot of differences, but on a human level, there's always a lot of warmth and love and a lot of thing, you know, you get to learn a lot from people that we work with, the locals, Mm -hmm. you get to learn a lot, uh, a lot of it. So uh, we spend a lot of time with them and they work with us. So they are also the excavators with us. They learn with us and they sort of uh, take a lot of it with us. And, and after we are gone from the site, they're the ones who, who are going to protect it. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not going to be there. We're going to just excavate and we're going to take whatever we need. But at the end of the day, it's the locals who are going to be, you know, uh, transferring that information, the knowledge that they have gained generation after generation. They're going to mm-hmm. tell their grandchildren, their children that, you know, they've worked at a particular site and that's what they found, mm-hmm. you know, which was thousands of years old so it becomes very important for us also to be you know educate them about the things that they don't know so it's a it's a very interesting relationship that we build
1: true and also when we talk about the old civilizations whether it's about the indus civilization or mesopotamian anything any civilization that we worked with and i think one thing whenever i you know go through any of the historical videos they are very fancy writings even even the old temples I remember recently I visited to Kerala and uh, you know into the south part and any of the temple that I have been to there's a whole lot of sign languages happen there's there's certain you know uh certain pictures then there's a whole lot of uh uh, writings which is of course very different to what we can understand and what was there on that time So, so so how does that interpretation go along i think how does that interpretation go along
2: um so um like it depends or like we have specialists who work with different time periods right now for instance i work uh a time period which is roughly about from 3000 bce that is third millennium bce uh, right till the second urbanization which is about 1000 BCE mm-hmm. and there are others who deal with you know a much later uh, time period or much earlier time period so in we have to sort of narrow down our time periods in order to interpret them very separately now if I look if i talk about the civilizations for instance the harappan or popularly known as the indus valley civilization yeah. uh, it it is one of the ancient civilizations of the world mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we have uh, they have sort of left a lot of you know material culture which is very very important for us and I'll, Hundreds of sites have been investigated, and we are still investigating a lot of it. Uh, Every excavation sort of gives you a new clue. Mm -hmm. So, despite after 100 years of discovery of Harappa, which happened in 1921, uh, we still are in the process of interpreting those small points, those signs, and we have not even deciphered the script. The Rappen script is not deciphered yeah. due to many reasons. So, but the uh, our researchers, the scholars, they are working in different domains. They, many theories and hypotheses have been put forward, and academically, a lot of work has been done. Uh, now, talking about the temples, which come much later than the Indus Valley civilization. Uh, each as you might not know uh, like the north temple architecture is totally different yes. than the southern yes. temple architecture exactly. you know and 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 the original temple architecture is totally different so you can see this uh temple as a space for not only for worship but also also as a for a communal gathering for bringing the community together mm-hmm. for bringing people together in in you know during festivals during weddings etc uh A lot of things is so, so interesting. We cannot interpret the intangible aspect, unfortunately, because our work depends on the material remains, on the tangible aspects supported by scientific analysis. Mm -hmm. But as humans, as Indians, a lot of it is still there in our present society. Mm -hmm. So whatever clues that we get, we have to sort of take a lot of understanding from the present also to sort of, Uh, you know go back into the past and make sense of it like we won't know what the music would be like or how the dance would be or what they would do for the entertainment for instance but uh if we get a small clue we can build up a whole you know we can bridge the gap yeah yeah we can bridge the gap in our knowledge so every excavation adds up to that particular data uh, so, uh, like, you've asked such a broad question, right, from, you know, <laughs> Indus Valley till the Kerala, the temples in Kerala. And every, what I can say is for the people to know that every corner of our country and the subcontinent as a whole, the Indian subcontinent, geographically, we are equally rich, mm-hmm. right? Our landscape changes mm-hmm. uh, within few hundred kilometers our food habit changes from one zone to the other mm-hmm. just like the diversity of our you know languages the way what we eat and also the geographical diversity that is there in indian subcontinent in our country our culture is also very diverse mm-hmm. our archaeological culture is equally diverse there are common threads that connects us but then there are those micro aspects that will sort of create that diversity Mm. so it's a it's a very um sort of elaborate sort of study that
1: uh, undertaken by many scholars in our field i understand and as i hope i've answered your question indeed you did because you rightly said that you know in india also when we talk about we we are the most language rich culture and many of us i don't know know it or not that india even don't have any national language when we say uh, mm-hmm. national, just say in in Britain, Britain there's English is there America, any of the language they have a national language associated with them. But we 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 have one official language, but not a national language. The reason being, you know, we have been following every you know every state, every even in one state we have ten of the languages following up. So yeah. I think uh, that's one of the reason that we have been super diversified. And also when we talk about You know, all these civilizations come to end. I think there's a whole lot of uh, civilization lives up to a certain period of time. So what has been the longest civilization which has survived? Uh,
2: Now, um, yeah, cultures do come to an end. Uh, Like civilizations, uh, everything sort of comes to an end, but Mm -hmm. it's never an abrupt end. Mm-hmm. Never an archent to anything. There's mm-hmm. always a very slow uh, mellowing down of certain traditions and then going into a new uh, cultural phenomenon. There's always sort of like a high and then a slow wave, and then you know, going up. It's something like that. Um uh, like I just want to take a minute to explain what civilization and archaeology. is defined as okay uh and and because uh, this term like i'm on twitter on social media like people uh they use this term very frequently but when we talk in archaeological context the terms the meaning sort of changes now in our Past, there has been one civilization, which is very important, that is the Indus Valley civilization or the Harappan civilization, which is the oldest civilization, one of the oldest, one of the five oldest civilization of the world, right? The reason we call it civilization is that despite being spread over a very large area, over diverse geographical zones, there are certain parameters that shows its urban character, that Mm -hmm. shows that there was some standard of living, you you know, a good standard of living. They were monetary, like, you know, they have weights and measures, Mm -hmm. means that they're trading, right? Uh, They had standardized uh, uh, brick sizes and also the way they build the big cities is -hmm. sort of have certain alignments and their roads and everything is sort of standardized. Mm -hmm. So that few points makes the Indus Valley civilization a civilization. Mm -hmm. But within that civilization, there are different regional cultures also, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are different regional cultures, uh, Mm -hmm. which which has certain small characteristics which are unique to that particular region. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we call Harappan culture, uh, different happen, uh, phenomenons of different cultures together in one civilization. Now, there, apart from Harappans, there were other cultures also that were living with them around that same time period, Mm -hmm. like contemporary, outside the boundaries of the culture, right? Uh, That civilization, there were other cultures also. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when we define the term culture, we need to understand that we can't just call anything a civilization. Mm-hmm. Not everything is civilization in its most, in, in in its, you know, that definition of you have to take from the proper definition point of view. But yes, there has been a lot of cultures, a lot of aspects of the past that have lived for a long period of time and then have come to an end, mm-hmm. right? A lot of it had civilization reached its peak and then it dived down. Mm-hmm. And then there were other cultures that came up and then dived down similarly mm-hmm. to how dynasties rise and fall. Mm-hmm. right? So a lot of it that happens, but then there is a lot of continuity also that we can see, a lot of changes with the continuity that we can see uh, within within our our, our today's political, boundaries of India that we can see. If I just have to talk about the country at the moment. We see a lot of things from the past being transferred, even in the present scenario. There's a lot of continuity and there's a lot of change. That is what I'm trying to say. When there is a high, there is a low, and then again, a new phase begins, which is a new
1: archaeological culture that begins. So I think... Saying it an end, it might be wrong word as you mentioned, but I have understand yeah. always evolving. It's, it's just the you know, as there's there's a scientific term, there's another the energy cannot end, it can be only transferred from one place to another. So, it's similarly, we yeah. talk about the culture, we about the roots, they'll just evolve into a you know, better thing, better, whatever you can say. It. They are just evolving and transforming into an another phase, it's just they never come to an end, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It,
2: things don't come to an end. Like, you know, for instance, we're still using bronze. Mm. We're still using, uh, and we're going back to our route. Now, a lot of uh, the health freaks are using copper uh, utensils, you know, to drink water. Right. Or they're using terracotta matkas in their home. These are the things that continue even today. Mm. Irrespective of having the best of technology in metallurgy and having everything. There are certain things that we're still connected to our roots with and that's what I'm saying. Things don't end. Mm -hmm. Abrupt end is never the thing. Mm -hmm. Even in in invaders, you see there has been invasions, there has been migrations from Mm -hmm. the West. But the way that has changed is those people somehow have sort of got mixed with the existing culture. Mm-hmm. And then they came up with the new phenomenon, which was a mix of the two distinct cultures. That is always the phenomena. It's always that way. It's never one thing's ending and then new boom,
1: Understood.
2: <laughs> uh, a, a revolution is happening. No, it's always this graph that goes on and will keep on going.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed. And also there's a one thing uh, before ending this conversation, one thing I'm always curious to know from my guests. Uh, what is the one trend that you would like to see more evolved in the new era? Uh, I know you're a student of archaeology; you're into that thing. But what is the one trend that you would like to see more evolved? What does that seem like? Uh, trend as in like anything? I, social media. Anything. anything, not really social media.
2: Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one trend that I think that should go on. Um, it's very difficult to say, but I really like when, you know, in terms of um, uh, like uh, entertainment world, there's a lot of past and present being mingled mm-hmm. that, you know, if we see in music also, uh, 90s is now the cool era, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and now it's become suddenly cool for, for the present generation mm-hmm. and a lot of things from the past are coming back. I like that. I would see how far that particular trend goes, how far back. Can people go and
1: bring the things, you know, from the past and make it cool? I would really like to see that. Any any movie that have been your favorite one when you are talking about the similar context?
2: Um, I have few favorites now recently. I have uh, different contexts, so I don't know. Like, recently there's not been much movie uh, with, you know, that respect. But um, it's very difficult to say right now. yeah. But I really mm-hmm. like those uh, web series and all, which are very regional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in nature. Like, like Panchayat, mm-hmm. for instance, like one web series I can name right now. It's very, it's really true to its roots. Mm-hmm. And I really can, you know, that's how they, they've done really good research. And it's sort of bringing what things are, the way things are in the like you know uh to the rest of the country and rest of
1: the world yeah, so, yeah that's one thing I can name. I think I really agree to you recently I have one one of the actress on on our show so we were discussing because it's her industry so we we're discussing about the same that you know what kind of movies should evolve more so I get somewhere uh in a little context I got the similar answer that you know in today's era the kind of web series or movies you, you can count on we are more relatable to it as you mentioned, yeah. they are the very basic stories. They, they 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 are something from a very normal or common person. But these are the stories which, as an individual, we all can connect to, rather than showing the over drama from the you know eighties Bollywood or something. You can count on that was a different zone though. We love that too, but still, how relatable yeah. it is to people nowadays for the Zenzies and millennials, especially.
2: Yeah, relatability is the key. I think that's a trend
1: we, we we might be wanting then. If I have to put it in one word, relatability. Relatability. With that said, yeah. thank you so much, Tisha. I think it it was a lot to know from you, and I think it's like an ex- we we can have maybe another episode where we would be digging deeper into another topics from from your world. Yeah. But thank you. It was a great yeah. great episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much
2: for having me. It was great talking to you.
0: I hope you really liked the episode. And thank you so much for making it so far. And do not forget to follow us back on whatever platform you're listening to. And leave us a positive review on Apple Podcast. Because your review matters to us. With that said, I'll see you soon in another great episode with another great podcast, with another great story, with another great human, with another great value. And also, you can check out video snippets of the podcast on YouTube and also on our Instagram channel. We are curious to know your point of view. Till then, bye bye and happy creation!